Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We are discussing evolution, uh, the religion of evolution versus the Judeo-Christian principles and the Judeo-Christian religion of the Bible. So let, and we're discussing that with William Harris, and I'm going to mention again his website, readysetquestion.com. That's the three words, readysetquestion.com, and I invite you to go to that website. It is filled with incredible material. But let's talk about natural selection as a way of changing species. What you're basically saying is that natural selection is more likely to change existing species and help them advance as a species than help us go from one species changing into another species. Is that accurate? Well, there's these things that I call in my book called spores of confusion. And I alluded to it slightly at the beginning of this conversation where I said that people like to do the bait and switch where they talk about science and then they bait and switch it and then they start talking about evolution. And then they say, oh, people of the Judeo-Christian narrative, they're against science because they don't believe in evolution. That's a bait and switch because we already talked about the fact that evolution is a religion and in fact cannot meet the criteria of science laid out by the National Academy of Sciences. But the same thing is happening when it comes to natural selection. See, you and I both know that adaptation is real. You and I both know that domestication is real. I mean, we've had wild dogs on this planet for I don't even know how long. You know why? Because I wasn't there. I didn't observe it, test it, replicate it, or verify it. But I do know from the fact that my father is a veterinarian and a dog breeder that we can make some really serious changes and alterations to canines. And so that's not called evolution. That is called domestication. Now, if I took a chihuahua, right, which has gone through enormous transition through the domesticative processes, and I bred it with a wolf, they could still have an offspring together. I could take a dachshund and a St. Bernard and breed them together, and they could still have an offspring together. The reason why is because dogs are dogs, and they have the exact same DNA all the way back to the original wolf stock. And Ernst Marr, back in the 1940s, was really frustrated with the fact that people had no idea what a species was. And what a species happens to be is any two organisms that can breed together and have a viable offspring that is able to also have a viable offspring. So, for example, mules, even though they can be produced from donkeys and horses, they're sterile animals. Same thing with ligers. 
tigers and lions can have an offspring, but it's a sterile animal because they have a different set of chromosomes and a different number of sexual chromosomes as well. And so a species is only a select group of organisms that can interbreed with each other and have offspring that are capable of interbreeding and having offspring themselves. Well, you know, I understand what you're saying, and you're talking about domestication and changing of a species uh, in a way that actually can happen in nature if, if, if dogs of different kinds uh, interbreed and produce different offspring. But there are examples that I'm aware of where natural selection does actually change a species. Realistically, when it comes to natural selection, the ability for a species to reproduce its kind is really what's important. So anything that enhances uh, the survivability of young members of the species until they can reach a point where they can reproduce, that will favor those traits. So everyone is probably familiar, and one of the most famous examples of that are, and I forgot, I think this was in England, there was a white moth that used to blend in uh, to the trees so that they were not visible to predators. But there was a lot of coal being burned in that area, mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of coal soot in the air. And so what would happen when people were burning coal for, for warmth and for heat is that the trees were getting darker and darker and darker. And so that white moth on a dark tree stood out to the point where their predators were easily able to find them. Slowly over time, there was a variability in the coloration of the moss, and the darker moss survived better because they weren't as obvious to the predators. And so slowly over a number of years, the white moth disappeared, and the same exact moth that was much darker, closer to black, is what survived because they could hide better and therefore reach the age in which the moth could reproduce. Now that is what I would call natural selection. What do you think? Um, yeah, that's actually a very good representation of natural selection. Um, but the thing that we have to be very, very careful of is that, um, you know, the genes are still deep down inside of the moth. And so I don't know if you've kept up with the story, but now that pollution has been kind of rained back and we're no longer burning coal, the white moth has actually come back into uh, the environment. And so it's, it's much like a family that has... You know, children with green eyes and blue eyes and brown eyes. You know, if, if you have one generation where everybody has brown eyes, it doesn't mean that your family line is not going to be able to have uh, a blue-eyed child. I actually have friends right now where the mother and the father are both brown-eyed, but they must have had a recessive gene in there because they have a uh, blue-eyed daughter. So the same thing is true with the moths. Yeah, their numbers uh, definitely decreased when it comes to the white moth. Uh, but now if you go back and you look at the study, uh, the white moth has returned. You know, that's really very interesting. And again, I'm talking with William Harris, uh, whose website is readysetquestion.com. And I urge you all to visit the, the website. It's certainly a very, very fascinating website. A lot of good information there. And also, uh, William Harris has written a book called What is Evolution?, 
and I think that's something that also would be interesting to read. Uh, you also have a second book, do you not, uh, Mr. Harris? Uh, yes, I do. It's actually called The Evolution-Affirming Version of the Holy Bible. Now, don't, don't be uh, misled. I did not use original Holy Scriptures. This book is no more of a Bible than the Camping Bible or the Bacon Bible or any other silly uh, Bible that you can find out there that just uses Bible in the title. And the reason why I've been so adamant about telling you that it is not authentic scripture of the Judeo-Christian narrative is because I wanted to show and highlight, just give an illustration of what would happen to the Bible if people start falling for the myth that God used evolution to create. Like, people can can either believe in evolution or not believe in evolution, but then they kind of get kind of sick and tired of the argument and the debate, and they just say, you know what, I'm going to find this happy medium place called theistic evolution, and I believe that God just used evolution because he's all-powerful and he could have used anything he wanted. Well, that is actually true. God could have used anything he wanted. He could have used evolution. He could have used bubble wrap and duct tape, for all we know. God is all-powerful, and he is a supernatural being. He could have done anything. But the reason why we know for a fact that God did not use evolution is twofold. First thing, in an accurate representation of biological evolution is by means of natural selection. There's no way that you can actually have a supernatural deity guiding and directing natural selection without natural selection becoming supernatural selection. And the whole reason why Darwin developed natural selection is to show that species could emerge and that evolution was true in the absence of God. That was his number one goal. And the thing that we know as people who believe in the Bible, who believe in the Judeo-Christian narrative, is that God is very clear about how he created by speaking supernaturally everything into existence. And we go through the Bible. Now, if you start discounting certain miracles that take place based on what science tells you, you're going to have to discount all of them. Because here's one thing that we can test, replicate, and verify. And we can observe this, too. So let's say we decide to go to the Sea of Galilee, right? And we get a grown man such as myself. I'm in my 30s, much like Jesus was at the time. And I decide I'm going to walk out to a boat out on the water. Well, guess what? Archimedes' principle of buoyancy is a scientific fact that can be observed, tested, replicated, and verified. And I cannot walk on water. I could get 7 billion other humans out on the Sea of Galilee, and not a single one of us would ever be able to walk on water. Now, science proves with this kind of logic, obviously I'm not promoting this kind of logic, that Jesus never walked on water. So if we start discounting biblical miracles based on what science says, then what we're really doing is discounting the entire Bible. Now, let me tell you something about the Bible. Very scientific. They were fishermen. They were used to being in boats. They understood science. They knew that the physics of water and, and how it works and the buoyancy of water and how it works were being thrown out the window by this amazing person that they're starting to realize is the Messiah. And so they understood the science of buoyancy, and the reason why they wrote down the story is because it blew their mind because it was outside of the natural world and therefore supernatural. The whole reason why we have the miracles accounted for in the Bible is because they went against the laws and the properties properties of physics and science. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will be right back right after a quick break. 
that's a fascinating way of looking at that. Uh, and, and it's really true because you're right. If you know something should not happen, and it did happen, and there's plenty of evidence that it happened and plenty of observers that it happened, then that's when you can say that it was not an event that you, that you can just say didn't happen. You know, I noticed that uh, last spring you made a short film called How Did We Get Here? Tell us about that. Well, um, actually, I, I realized that writing books in a, uh, in a post-reading world, I wasn't getting anybody under the age of uh, 30 to read my books. And so I thought, well, what's huge right now? Oh, YouTube. Yeah, people watch videos. So I decided to take some of the most important elements of my books, both of them, and combine them into a short film. Now, here's the thing I'd love to give to your listeners, if, you're, if they're willing. I want you to watch the film for free. You can go to readysetquestion.com right now, and you can watch the film for free. It's extremely short. It's only 17 minutes long, and it talks about all the scientific ramifications for believing in evolution and how you have to throw science out the window. Then it talks about the theological issues with believing in evolution and how you have to throw Judeo-Christian scriptures out the window. Now, another thing I want to give the listeners, if this is okay, is a free sample of my book, What is Evolution? I take an empirical approach to challenging evolution. I never once use any creationist resources. I go to nationally understood um, scientific journals, court transcripts, uh, the National Academy of Sciences. Um, I, I go to every kind of non-Christian uh, reference I possibly can and bring up what does it mean to have empirical data and does evolution meet those criteria. And so you can go to my website, readysetquestion.com. You can download the first three chapters of my book for free. And if you like it, you'll get an email like a week later with a code and you can get the whole book for 30% off. Well, that's very generous. And, and again, I would, I would suggest to my listeners, you do visit uh, William Harris' website. It's got a lot of really incredible information there. You know, let me ask you a question. In what you do in your life, why is this topic of evolution so important to you? Well, I'm sure we all know what happened on Sunday night in Las Vegas. Now, that's a horrible, tragic event. Now, it's a multifaceted issue. There's a lot of different ways that we can come at this. We can look at our gun laws. We can look at heightened security. But the one thing that I'd like us to think about as a, a possible option is that the reason why someone would perch stories above a concert and start picking off people like an exterminator exterminating an infestation of ants is because he has a very, very low value for human life. Now, here's the thing about the Judeo-Christian narrative. See, God calls us into relationship with him. Why? Because he created us for a purpose, a plan, and a mission. He wants us to see every single other person on the planet as our potential brothers and sisters, and he also calls us to love our enemies, to give value to the people that we hate the most. God calls us into that. Now, let me tell you what evolution says. Carl Sagan said that we are made up of star stuff. Basically, what he's saying is that we are cosmic dust, and cosmic dust that got lucky 
to somehow get clumped together and then be lucky enough to somehow have life form on it. And then that life was lucky enough through accidents and mutations and by mistake randomly become a tailless walking ape. To do what? To compete with other tailless walking apes for resources just long enough not to die so that you can reproduce. Now, let me tell you something. That idea puts cosmic dust, the bug that you killed on your windshield on the way to work today, and a human at the exact same value of life. This is why evolution is so important to me. See, we've got people in this country that believe we need to teach this to our children. Now, why are we shocked about Las Vegas? Why are we shocked about any massacre whatsoever? We are teaching our children every single day, and we are requiring it that they have the same value as dust and bugs. You know, what you just said makes more sense than almost anything that I've heard in the last several days about the tragedy in Las Vegas. In truth, all lives matter. And when we try to segment society into groups, when groupthink becomes the method, that is a method used by dictators, by tyrants, and unfortunately by the progressives on the left in our country to divide us as a nation. Because if we think that only certain lives matter, then in fact we are not following the teachings of our Lord. We're not following the teachings of the Bible. That is, that is absolutely against what God has intended for us because life, his creation, is so precious because he instilled in us the, the ability to rise above all of that stuff that we're supposed to rise above in order to follow the golden rule, basically, to do unto others as you would ha have them do unto you. And that is really what we need to try to achieve. It's mm -hmm. good, Dr. Dan. Well, we've been talking with William Harris. Uh, it has been a fascinating discussion. Are there any closing thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Yes, I would. You know, we all have a choice. We all have a choice to be swayed by pop culture. Now, pop culture could be something that is really hard to stand up against. You might be persecuted. You might feel like an idiot. People might make you think that you are less than them because you're not as intelligent as them. And that's exactly where they want you to be. And so what I would like to, to challenge your listeners, Dr. Dan, is for them to think for themselves. Look at the data. Look at the scriptures. Look at what they can observe, test, replicate, and verify. Do not accept the bait and switch. I want them to be so heightened to when an evolutionary biologist is, is using different terms and just planting spores of confusion in everyone's head without defining terms, without really acknowledging what's happening, to, to say, oh, it takes millions of years. They're, they're charlatans. See, God gave us a mind, right? He also says to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we believe in. And I feel like Christians are being just tossed around on the waves like no other because we have no idea. We're not studying, and we're being a little lazy. So I challenge everyone that can hear me right now, just study, just study. Wonderful advice. We've been talking on Freedom Forum Radio with William Harris. I urge you to visit his website, readysetquestion.com. There's uh, volumes and volumes of useful and important information on that site. 
Uh, William Harris, it has been a pleasure to talk with you on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you so much. And I would just like to say thank you uh, to you, Dr. Dan, for having me on your program. And I'd also like to thank uh, Debbie Blancy. She's an amazing woman. She uh, helps me out with a lot of different things. And, and if anyone uh, would like me to come and speak at their church or youth group or a scientific symposium, I would love to. Just go to my website, which is readysetquestion.com. Go under contact, and you can find all of Debbie's information. And um, thank you for listening. Thank you, sir, and God bless you. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning.